A Hero's Journey is a podcast filled with spoilers. We recommend reading the book each week before you listen, but we trust you to make your own decision. Hi, and welcome to A Hero's Journey, a literary podcast. I'm your host and judge, Jack, and I'm here with my kidnapped kings. This is Alex. And I'm Zach. Each week, we look at a different book through Joseph Campbell's monomyth. So this week, we're not discussing just one book. We're actually going to be discussing um, Rand and three different books in the Wheel of Time series. It's going to be the books four through six. So The Shadow Rising, Fires of Heaven, and The Lord of Chaos. And because this is round and this is the Wheel of Time, we're going to be doing things a little bit different. I think that this is a big enough series for us to come up with three sets of three Road of Trials. Um, I think that'll be a nice mirror of our traditional Road of Trials, but hopefully still just coming up with one settled higher power, um, temptress, atonement with the creator, apotheosis, and, and eventually an ultimate boon. But today we're going to just be taking a look at those three books um, and see Rand's journey, what it's been like through those. If you are interested in our take on Rand's departure, we talked about that in books one through three, and uh, we'll link that down below to find that earlier episode where we discussed the, the departure for Rand. To begin where we always begin, we start with the truest challenge of all, learning to lead. Normally I'd make a terrible joke here, but actually all of my trials for Rand in this phase of his journey, from what I can tell, were really focused on Lan, Lan, uh, Rand's burgeoning leadership skills. We start with learning to play a little bit of the game of houses in tier and his guidance that comes from Orain there. We transition to that into him much more asserting himself on his own in taking charge of the Aeel as the Karakhan. And then finally, we watch him fully on his own in Lord of Chaos as the leader of Karheim, Tyr, and the Aeel and trying to blend all of those together. And Camelin. And Camelin. And we watch all of these little leadership roles and the different person he is for to all of these people while being the a similar symbol to all of them kind of represent what I think is one of his journey wide challenges, which is leading the disparate people of Randland. Randland. Or, the, or the Westlands. It's, it's known as both Randland and the Westlands. Which is... Well, I'm a fan of it. It feels like it's both the overarching plot for end of this section of the book and an overall challenge for his character. And yep. I think the one bit is the in any massive series-wide challenge, we see both successes and failures. Ultimately, since I'm assuming this book series doesn't end in the Dark One winning, Rand will ultimately succeed in leadership. So I look forward to seeing future challenges he faces. Yeah, I had a kind of similar road of trials. Um, the first trial, definitely leading the Aiel. And the culmination, I, I didn't see it in um, 
Ruidin, but actually I see it in the, the battle with the Shido outside of uh, Karheim. I think that's where he really solidifies his leadership of them in that, that battle where he orchestrates the defeat of the Shido. Uh, and for the next trial, similar, I had um, him leading, but in this case, more of a, like a consolidation of power in Karhain and Camelin and Andor. I think for both of these, he's dealing with the game of houses, like you mentioned, and the struggles of, of that, but also learning how to lead the different people. He's just come from the Aiel, where he's leading with one style. It's pretty straightforward, but now he's going to places where they expect him to play the game of houses, where he's not trying to lead himself, where he's trying to hold the land together for Elaine to come in. So it's a different kind of leadership that he needs. And the last thing for him, I actually think is the creation of the Black Tower uh, and getting the, the male channelers to fight the Dreadlords in the upcoming battle. I think that this is super important. Um, and I, in this, we get to see him succeed, right? He creates the Black Tower. Um, he sets leaders and he sets you know, development ways for people except to Except for advance. the fact that Mazarin Tame is clearly evil. Except, except for that, yes, except for that fact um, that you think Mazarin Tame is clearly evil. But in this book, we actually see success of, of the Black Tower at Dumai's Well, where they come in and save Rand. I, I will admit I'm not certain if Mazarin Tame is currently evil or not. I think he probably already is evil, but dude is definitely long-term evil. Zach, do you want to go? Yeah. So for my trials, I agree with Alex the about the Aeol. I had originally put that visiting Ruidin and becoming he who comes with Dawn, but I do think Alex is hit on the fact that his leadership of the Aeol hasn't been solidified until later when he defeats the Shido. Um, it's, or, or quote-unquote, defeats the Shido, right? Um, it's, uh, I think that's slightly better than what, what Alex says and what I had, although I think it was a very important moment for him to realize, hey, here's another prophecy center point that I am. Um, and, and, you know, it wasn't a necessary and easy task to do all the things that was expected of him. So I like that but I liked the way Alex phrased it better. For my second point uh, in these books, I had an overarching theme that he's always trying to convince everyone that he's not a conqueror, right? He's not conquering because he wants to be a conqueror. He's conquering because if he doesn't, then he won't have the necessary forces to fight the last battle, and then everybody's going to be screwed. So um, he pretty much everywhere he goes, everyone assumes that he's doing this because he's power hungry or a megalomaniac or um you know wants wealth in fact we see that in this most recent book lord of chaos when the Aes Sedai come to him with all the the riches trying to buy him off um but he's not bound by it's gonna sound weird but he's not bound by those kind of earthly desires or stereotypical fades he's burdened with uh, a destiny that he doesn't want and he's trying to make the best of it but it involves hurting a lot of people and doing a lot of things that he would prefer not to do and so I think he fails to, he convinces his close friends and allies of that this is a begrudging sort of conquering, but he's just not, uh, not even come close to convincing the wider world. 
Zach, just real quick there. It, that reminds me of um, like Loki in the original Avengers coming in. I'm I'm burdened by glorious <laughs> purpose. Yep. <laughs> Except Rand is actually meeting it. Exactly. <laughs> and I do like that you you have him failing this trial because I I agree with you. It's kind of similar to my consolidation of power. Like he's not trying to take it from himself, and he can't ever get anyone to agree that. He's not trying to take it from himself. Yeah, like even people who work for him, quote unquote, right, or follow him, still partially think that he's doing it because, you know, why not? Even like Elaine, she hears about this. She's like, that's not right. He can't do that. Like she hears that he's he's saving it for her and she just says, no, he can't do that. That's not how it works. Um, Even Egwene doesn't really believe him, I don't think. Yeah. Any thoughts on his glorious purpose? No, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. All right, moving on to, I think, his final task. And it comes somewhat into what Jack was saying about leadership. Um, I think I get a little more specific here, and I talk about task delegation. Uh, Rand has two things, right? Well, there's two parts of Rand that make this difficult. One for it is that he has a lot of magical ability, right? And, and just straight up fighting prowess. So he has the, and he's seen what happens to other people when they try to do the task that maybe he should have done or could have done and they get hurt. So he has a sort of ability and guilt that it's very much to do another Avengers reference, fine, I'll just do it myself sort of thing. Um, but even with his ability and his chosen one status, he cannot do everything. And so I think he has gotten quite a bit better at delegating tasks. We see him doing it with Matt, sending him off to uh, to fetch his would-be princess, um, going, sending um, or having Devin Bashir uh, form the people who can't channel into an army, having Mazrim take the and create the Black Tower, and it's all ideas that start with him. Um, I just think it's. Um, it's a growth moment for him to realize that he literally cannot be everywhere, everywhere at once, even though he can teleport. Yeah, I think that's really good. So let's go around in our first trial. I think we all had the IEL in some aspect leading the IEL, right? Yes. Yeah, I think they become, they're not only a part of his past, but they're such a part of what the Westlands view Rand as once he's like, conquering things and he's the leader of the Aiel and the savages that it's mm-hmm. hard to separate the two okay so we were all kind of agreed there and our second one i think we all kind of agreed too it was some some kind of combination of leading these places without them without like telling them that he's a conqueror mm-hmm. um and this is the one where Zach, you definitely pointed out he fails. I also think he doesn't do the best job. I don't know if he necessarily fails. Like he's still he's learning. He's in command of them, but yeah, he's not maybe not finished the step. Um, And Jack, I think you were more on the side of like he's doing better, right? By by the end of Lord of Chaos, I definitely feel like he's doing better, but that's only because he's bringing in more factions with the Aes Sedai finally bowing to him. And they were sort of, uh, right, we fi- we were, were shown that they are definitely driving uh, his enemies against him within these other factions. Right. Yeah. 
And I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that because they are, uh, of all the things that he conquers by force, I think the eyes to die are the thing that he most conquers by force. Like literally no, no, using no, the no, power no. to bend them down. It's, it's his Saverian nature that makes them all willingly and unregretfully swear loyalty to him. Well, Jack and, and I are on the same page then. And oh, I, yes. Um, I, kneel or you will be knelt. Very, very That was Tavarian That and... was uh, Masrum Tames. <laughs> that was Masrum. Uh, yes. Just, he just didn't say bad Masrum. Don't say that. That uh, was totally legit good guy, Masrum Tames. Saying kneel or be knelt. Uh Rand Rand just said uh no more fucking about oaths of loyalty now. And there will be no it's, consequences to these actions. It's the only what's interesting about the Aes Sedai, right? He's he's not necessarily afraid of them, but he has he was for certain points of this Lord of Chaos, most recent book we read. Um, but they're the only people that he interacts with in which a oath of loyalty at least if they're not of the black uh aja are is completely binding right everybody else they're just people and their word is just their word but these people have like a physical or a magical block that makes them do this now so he just took the people he least trusts and arguably makes them the people he can most trust which we, uh, we see go, how that plays out. But. They could go visit Nynaeve, get stilled, get healed at lower power level, and... Uh, well, well, no they, one except the select group of people know that they can be broken from the oath rod with the stilling. Yeah, and... Just saying, technically a possibility. They could just go break the oath rod on the oath rod. Would shattering the oath rod unbind all of them from their oaths? I'm not quite sure how... We don't we don't know enough about the oath rod to say yes or no. Fair. At this point, we don't know enough about the oath rod to say yes or no either way. Cool. So I feel like we are definitely in agreement that the overarching theme for Rand of these three books is leadership. Are we are we not? Yeah, but I think where we differed was that third trial. Um, and I think that's where we can discuss a little bit. Zach, you said delegating tasks, kind of like the division of leadership. Yeah. Um, Jack, I, I don't remember what yours was. I'm sorry. I, I said that it was his more successful merging that we see in the Carhine Camlin leadership, where he's begun to mix all these influences together. Okay. But I think I'm inclined to say that if I was going to put a cap on the end of it, I think the creation of the Black Tower is probably the more overall importance to the world uh, or leadership. Detriment. Yeah. I choose to believe that <laughs> men being able to channel is a good thing, Zach. Trust me, I'd be the first to sign up to be tested, but... Uh... But I, I do agree that that one probably had, in, in order of importance, it's tier because that's where he takes Kalendor and the world recognizes him for good or for ill. Mm -hmm. The Aiel, because that shapes the world's opinion even more by coming back with savages. And then the Black Tower, because he is establishing a group of male channelers, which is 
even even the false dragons, from what I can tell, no one has done this since the shattering. And I wanted to make clear to our listeners that we are using the term savages in the context of uh, the savages, no, the wheel of time, the wheel of time. Yeah. Like this yeah. is the this is the what the contemporaries of the novel feel like. I think the Aeol are like the most well balanced cultural group in this goddamn society. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of. Po- polyamory or polygamous not a fan of polygamous marriage but the IEL are uh an odd people but I would say the most culturally accepting group in this goddamn world uh Alex do you have any capstones you wanted to add as I I pivoted my point into agreeing with your point I have a I have a secondary thing that I don't think we talked about much in the trials just in our examples but I, I, I hinted on it slightly. Rand is developing his ability quite a bit over the course of these four books. From, from magic to just physical one-on-one fighting, which mm. I, I'm glad to see him taking a step away from because it's silly. You know, the first several books was focusing on his sort of swordsmanship nature. Um, and, and it has played a part at times when he's fighting with magic swords. But uh, uh, I like to see him definitely growing in his magical ability throughout these stories. Yeah, I think that's interesting too, because that's. Hey, if Aragon can contrive a reason for the final book to end in a sword fight, I'm sure that we will find a way to do it here. But I, I think, Zach, it's really interesting you point that out, because I think we all pick trials that are. I, I want to. I don't know how to say bigger but like maybe more world impacting than Rand specifically learning how to advance his magic or his swordsmanship whereas in a, a book series like Aragon or um, even like the first law trilogy or a bunch of other series you've read even let's say um, the Gideon the ninth like developing in swordsmanship and magic would definitely be a huge part of our road of trials, but for, for Rand, I think he's moved beyond this like personal growth. Uh, All of the stuff that we're looking for is more worldly impacting. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I don't think it's going to go this way, but honest to God, if we got to the end and Rand had lost his ability to channel and the, the reveal was that uh, the only thing that was important about the Dragon Reborn was him uniting everyone and it didn't matter that he had to channel at the last battle, I would I would buy it. I don't think that's where we're going, but I would buy it. Yeah. I think, and we still have a lot more set of books to cover, so I'm sure we're going to see more trials and we could even see developments in these trials um, in our next books, you know, see him develop more his leadership and the, the other skills that we've been discussing. So I think that that kind of wraps up our road of trials discussion and we can move on to our other steps. So now I, I hope that we can find just singular points to hit for all of these. This being our, um, I will skip Ultimate Boon because we know that will come towards the end. But for our meeting with the higher power, Temptress, Atoma with the creator and Apotheosis. Now I have already you know, picked all of my points here. And some of them, I think we see one of them specifically and another one kind of, but I think it'll be more relevant to talk about it 
later. So I'm only going to talk about my meeting with the higher power and I'm saving the rest of my points that I have in my mind for, for our discussion on the other, in the other books. But for the meeting with the higher power, I see this as people coming in to do things for Rand that he can't do himself because there's really not anyone who's more powerful than him just on like a pure power scale he's the dragon reborn you know he's got all this un infinite unlimited power but there are things that he can't do for himself like for Maybe example the dead no one can do that the um, creator can he just can sure sure uh but like perrin going back and saving the two rivers that's not something rand could do for himself but perrin did it for him or let's say matt for example killing kuladin now rand could have done that if he had gone and sought that out, but he didn't, he had more important things to focus on, kind of like we were just discussing in our trials. He's more world now, less individual grudges. So he's not gonna like have an individual grudge and go fight Kuladin, who's ultimately unimportant in the course of this series. Um, but Matt could kill him for him. Or even Moraine killing uh, Lanfear that's something that Rand could have done himself, but not in this specific case, because as Rand's bitch, Rand doesn't kill women. Um, at anyone. this point, Rand doesn't kill any women. Yeah. So I, things like that. And even um, we have Dumais well and other people coming in to rescue Rand. Specifically, I'd like to highlight Perrin, obviously, and Ruark coming in. And then even the Aes Sedai, um, coming in to help you know get him out of the box some of the SDI coming in to get him out of the box so I think that's where I'm going to find the higher powers I'm sure we'll have other examples but those are ones that I think we we've already seen in these three books and the point that I see here but I think is not relevant enough to talk about is the temptress like I I know what the temptress is if you've read the series I'm sure you also know what the temptress is and we see hints of it here, but I, I don't think it's enough. And I there's Min, a, I agree. There's a culmination point that um we'll discuss that I will discuss at least later. And I think it'd be better to talk about that step with the culmination point. Makes sense. For and and I'll move right into my what I think is the atonement for the creator. Um, I think I was originally considering it to be the point for um the lord of chaos but the more i thought about it the more i don't mind it especially as as up to his journey to this point um i think his relationship with the voice inside his head who we believe to be loose therein um is uh something that he's kind of been very skeptical and trying to avoid for a majority of this book and it's not until he gets locked away by the ice die that he um, really has the lack of things to do and interact with and people to see and the desperation required to really engage um, uh, engage with Luz Therin. And, and he figures out that it's more than just really, I mean, it still is a voice in his head, but it knows things that he himself does not know, which adds to the sort of mystery and, and 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 confusion within it but i think it's what provides a, a compelling argument to it being lose the in in actuality and as such 
um, I think it's a really good meeting with the higher power because if anyone is going to have more power than the dragon reborn, it would be the dragon or a previous dragon reborn, however you want to uh, say it. Yeah, I I can see that. I um, I like that. And now I I think I might have misheard you. Did you say this was your Otomo with the creator or meeting with the higher power? Uh, I said meeting with the higher power, but I definitely met Otomo with the creator. Okay. Okay. Because I, I feel like a lot of the problems that stem, and we know that the wheel is cyclical, and this is perhaps one of my biggest problems with the series overall, is that it heavily leads you to believe that Luz Theran is the first dragon, but I've also seen things that implies that he's not, since it's a wheel. So it's that's one of my very few sort of like getting really into it sort of gripes with the tale. Um, but if well, you were, it's called the third age, but also maybe it's the fifty thousandth age. Yeah, I know. So that's why I, 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 you know, I sometimes struggle to call him just the dragon, but he is the dragon. And uh, if anyone is responsible for the creation of the dragons reborn, it is the dragon. Okay, I I can see that. I think I'm going to have another point later, but I also can appreciate that. Like what you're saying, Luce Theron coming in as the creator, uh, except for like the literal creator, which we kind of know is real because we know the dark one is real. Um, there's no one better. And up to this point, at least we haven't seen the creator actually. Well, we have. Oh yeah, that one, the one time, but that does not count. And that wasn't, that's only because we know outside knowledge. Like we didn't know as we read the book that that was right. the creator. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen Bella around funny. But... <laughs> right. Uh, so I think that's a good point, Zach. The, the one thing that I will say is the only other character I could see uh, being Brand's creator is... And I, uh, I actually can't remember whether this is just one because I've seen the wiki page pop up as Slash. Do we know that Ishmael and Belzebon are the same character? We, y you should. Yeah. Yeah, I think we I do. Think, I think someone says it. Yeah. Just thought out, but I don't remember. Um, is Belzebon Baal, Ishmael the, who unfortunately seems to have died uh, in our in yeah, in the Dragon Reborn is also a character that I could see standing as the creator because he had that relationship with Luz. Theron saying just Luz feels weird. Uh, he had that relationship I, I with Luz Theron. <laughs> he he has that relationship with Luz Theron, as do most of the Forsaken. Uh, but throughout that first part of the book, he is definitely the driving force behind the Dark One's forces, and that certainly creates the rank that we know today. And so I could also see him as the creator of all three boys. Yeah, the betrayer of hope. He could definitely be the creator as, you know, the person who, who made this possible. Is Judas the creator of Jesus? No, probably not. Welcome to our theological. Podcast. Welcome to Hero's Journey, a theological podcast. 
and despite all of our talk about how there there really are no higher powers um i want to talk about moraine as in her departure sort of rand's higher power here he has exceeded as we pointed out everyone else in terms of raw power but in our confrontation with I'm about to say Lorraine, but that's only because I'm looking at the word Moraine. Land fear. In our comfort, in our confrontation with uh Landfear, Moraine gives her final gift to Rand, the last gift that she can, her life, and stops him from two fates that are well, one is just death, but the other fate is worse than death. And I think that even though I believe that Moraine is not dead. And we'll come back for maybe a potential atonement with a mini a mini atonement with the creator. I uh, I do see this as potentially a big higher power moment, uh, a very passing of the torch, a final approval that Rand is ready to take on the mantle of Dragon Reborn from the person that has spent her life trying to get him find him and get him ready. Also, weird sex slave Rand timeline sounds wonky as fuck. Sounds bad. It's like a also bad sounds situation. bad. The timeline where Maureen tries to seduce Rand. That also sounds creepy. That also yes, that, that sounds bad too. Not uh, if you're Rand. No, I'm I'm pretty sure it sounds bad for Rand as well. I don't think anyone involved is happy with that. That situation. I feel like Land could be okay with it. Well. Yeah, because Land doesn't care about those things. He cares about like three things. Jack, what are the three things Land cares about? Nynaeve. Good. Maureen's happiness. Okay. Yeah, sure. Straight up sword fighting. Uh, good enough. I will take it. it, that, it I mean, I would say defeat. I would it's, say. I would it's say Nynaeve, honor, and defeating the dark one. Defeating the dark one. Or maybe keeping Rand alive, which is just maybe the well, big thing. I mean, Moraine has to be up there, but it's Nynaeve in a loving sense, Moraine in an honor-duty sense, and defeating the Dark One in a the last blood of... what is He's not Manitharan, is he? Malkir. Malkir. Thank you. Any feedback, guys? I know that it's a little... Again, as we had last time, it's a little awkward giving me feedback on my points when inherently the nature of this is speculative. But Moraine as higher power for the story, and Moraine is higher power for this interstitial arc. Yeah, I I agree with you. That's one of the you know one of the points I brought up. I just wanted to throw in other characters because I think you know some of them are equally important. But no, I definitely agree with you that Moraine would fit this, and you could even like if you wanted to focus on one singular point. I think the point where Moraine tackles Lanfear through the Tarangriel could be that point. I think Moraine's good. I think she arguably, I mean, it's not, not just arguably, she falls off very hard from the fact that she dies, right? She serves as this super big mentor figure. And I, I like her much more as the mentor than I do the higher power. Mm-hmm. I agree with that too. I do view her as one of the mentors. We talked about this kind of extensively, and I, I think we can see Rand has a lot of mentors, but 
Moraine fits a lot of those classic mentor tropes and does a lot of the mentoring for him and, um, you know, his politicking game of houses, Rand continues to mention that he has the lessons from Moraine to fall back on when he's talking about the houses. But I'm a sucker for Lan as his mentor because I feel as if Lan shapes a lot of his concepts of masculinity and the world in a way that Moraine is definitely more knowledge-based. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. And listening to the incoherent ramblings of three different madmen, we come to our closing thoughts. Covering this arc of three, uh, I really enjoyed it. And what I was surprised by, based on how... By the end of Dragon Reborn, I was excited for where the story was going, but not necessarily. I was enjoying the Dragon Reborn as a book where we weren't so heavily in Rand's point of view. I actually quite enjoyed all of our Rand sections throughout these books, and I had a lot of fun with them. I liked his challenges with leadership. I especially liked the interplay by having sections in his viewpoint and then cutting away to other people's that we got to play with the reader's understanding of Rand's plans. So it manages to keep that idea of whether he's fully stable in play and fun. Um, I'm also a sucker for romance and this section had a lot more romance. And so that was a lot of fun for me. Oh boy, get ready for the next section. God, now, I'm looking forward to it. Now, you may, you did, you did say you were going to hold me to some predictions. So, stepwise, obviously, we'll have more roads of trials because they're the bulk of any given character arc. Uh, I think that we are, we didn't talk about them too much, but I think we're probably about to run into whatever you said there was a culmination from your perspective for Rand's temptress here but I think we're about to run headfirst into whatever Ren's temptations are. I think he's riding well. And I think that means we're, even though he was just kidnapped for a book that was like a little F failure, I think, which is honestly, I was expecting a bigger failure for Lord of Chaos given the prologue. I think we're due for a a big F failure. Something's gotta go wrong. Uh, I don't know if it is gonna be in Crown of Swords, but, I feel like he's got to go fight Samael and I don't know. I, I'm biased because I'm partway through it. It doesn't seem like he's being set up for failure yet, but I'm expecting him to go up against one of the Forsaken and lose, right? He's, Rand hasn't suffered a major battle loss setback yet. So that's, that's what I think is on the horizon in this next arc. Interesting. Also, by the way, Jack, I do want to apologize. I looked up Lord of Chaos and... Uh, Randy is the Lord of it, Chaos, motherfucker! It's not not very clear, but most people think that Rand is the Lord of Chaos. My bad. That's on me. I like the second quarter of uh, the books. I think it's cool to see a majority of our characters, Rand, including what I would call our middling power level. Um, where they're just now coming into their own, but not anything that um, feels unstoppable by any sense of the imagination. Um, uh, my 
favorite character still remains to be Matt, but not by uh, a significant margin at this point in this particular reread. So um, enjoying it, enjoy talking about it, enjoying hearing uh, Jack's uh, interesting assumptions and uh, looking forward to doing more when we come back to Wheel of Time. Yeah, I similarly really enjoy this section. Like I said, this is my favorite book uh, until we get to book 14, book six here. And book four, as everyone knows, is very strong and one of my favorites as well. So this is really fun to look at Rand in this section. I think he covered less points than I expected um, overall, but I, like when I started this thinking about this project and, and looking at Rand throughout the 14 books. Um, I think there's so much more action than steps. And in their next books, unfortunately, we're gonna get a lot of steps, but not a lot of action. That's why we're doing five books for our next section. Um, but like I said, I really enjoyed this. I'm still looking forward to the Wheel of Time and I'm really excited to see Jack's um, reaction to our next phase on what he thinks of the story moving forward. I'm a little nervous. I've heard uh, is Heart of Winter or whatever, book nine? Winter's Heart. Winter's yeah. Heart. I've heard that a lot of people burn out around there, so I'm a little nervous. I think the way we're doing it is just good because we're, we'll push through. We're going to do them all in a row. Book seven through 11 all in a row. And 11 is good to get you back in. We'll take a break before our final push through books 12 through 14. So I think we're going to set you up well. We're just going to have to kind of drag you along through, through the rest of these. Fair enough. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoy Hero's Journey as much as we love doing it, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast from. And if that place happens to be Spotify, don't forget to answer our weekly polls that Alex puts up. We love to hear back from you guys. We also have our active Discord going, uh, invite in the show link. If you want to come hang out, talk about books, uh, or if you want to just fight me over whether or not Min is best girl, I promise to respond to any messages, unless they're from Zach or Alex. As always, I have been your host and judge, Jack. This is Alex. And I'm Zach. And join us next time as we head back to Allegasia for what may or may not be the last time, depending on Christopher Pellini's writing schedule. He has uh, two books, which he said are like in editor's hands recently on Twitter. In so, Allegasia? Not in Allegasia. He didn't say that. He didn't say what they were in. I'm assuming uh, at least presumably one, is one of them is... stars. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Unfortunately, due to some personal issues, we're going to have to take a week off. Uh, a family member of one of our hosts unfortunately passed away. So we're going to take the week off. Um, we didn't have a chance to record anything. And we'll come back in two weeks to still discuss the Inheritance series by Christopher Paolini. Thank you all for your understanding. Yay! Oh, thank you. Zach, it's only because I said I'd marry you in a heartbeat. Uh... And you left the room and didn't make eye contact for several hours as you bought magic cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that sounds... Exactly right. That's my head for what happened true. now. <laughs>